Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco. Or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Photo Taco on the Master Photography Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes of your day with me. In this episode, I'm diving into some details about how you can make the import process in Lightroom Classic really fast, like 90% faster to import your images. I've talked about this before. It is not the first time I've gone over this topic here on Photo Taco, but I wanted to kind of update things because I still see a lot of photographers struggling with this process and, and there's lots of new listeners. There's not really anything new to the process. So if you're already familiar with it, I guess you can just skip this episode. Although I think it might be worth your time to stick around and see if I bring something new that you didn't already know to the game here. I actually learned a few things as I dove in just a little deeper again here in April of 2020 to, uh, to investigate this and write up this workflow. I actually did an entire training video too. So if you want to see me go through the process visually, if you're having a hard time just following the podcast, there'll be a link in the show notes to the YouTube video, my Photo Taco Podcast YouTube channel. I'm not putting out a ton of videos, but I created one for this process. It's about a 30-minute instructional video where I go through all of this. So you can look forward to that and check out the show notes. So why am I revisiting this topic? Well, I explained that there's a lot of photographers that are struggling with it. I see so many people complaining about how very slow Lightroom is all the time. And I'm trying to just spread the word that App, uh, Adobe kind of addressed this back in 2017. They created, they added this embedded preview workflow process that I'm going to go through in excruciating detail. Back in October 2017, in the the Lightroom version was called Lightroom 2018. Back then, it wasn't even called Lightroom Classic yet, if I remember right. Anyway, it's been there for a long time. It hasn't really changed. It's not like there's updates that have made this better. Other than they did make a change so that the preview process, the process where you build the standard previews or smart previews um, was multi-threaded. They made it so that you can do that in parallel and it maybe gave it a little bit of gains, but it's still horribly slow. And I'm going to tell you how you can fix it. Um, this process that I'm calling the, well, I'm not calling it, Adobe called it the embedded preview workflow process. If you follow it, and there's some configuration things you need to do. There's also some rules that you need to follow. And I'll go through all the details of what it takes. Um, if you follow it, if you do this process, it works on any camera with one small caveat that I'll, I'll give you. And it, uh, it makes it so that your culling efforts can be as fast or almost, I, I need to reserve that, say almost as fast as a pre-processing tool to Lightroom, something like Photo Mechanic from Camera Bits, for example. Very good software. It does its job really, really well, but it also has a $150 licensing price tag to it. And you can, if you're already a Lightroom user, you can get close to the performance without having to shell out that 150 bucks. This process cut off 90% of the import time as I tested it. And that's really the big thing that I did as I prepped for this episode was I did a whole lot of testing on it. So I'm going to go through in this episode the tutorial steps that I went through in the YouTube video. So you can go check that out over in, on YouTube and the Photo Taco Podcast channel to see what it is. But I'll, I'll go through kind of reviewing the sections and I'm going to give additional information. I wanted that tutorial 
to be a resource for people who just want to learn the process. They don't need to get all the testing numbers and everything, but that's what you listeners are here for, I hope. I hope you're here for Photo Taco because you kind of like the geeking out a little bit and, uh, and making it so it makes sense. So let's let's start with the first section of the t- tutorial, the YouTube tutorial, and that's where I explained JPEGs in RAW files. I don't know if you're aware, but your camera, I don't know of a camera that doesn't put at least a thumbnail image inside, but your camera is creating JPEG images every time you create a RAW file. Now, this is not JPEG plus RAW shooting. I know a lot of people might think, as I'm talking about this, that that's what I'm referring to, your camera mode, where you can say you want the camera to to put both JPEGs and RAW files on your memory card. That is not what I'm talking about. This is your option on your camera set to RAW only. You're not writing JPEGs. And inside your camera is putting... JPEGs inside that RAW file, which is why the term embedded comes into play. This this preview workflow process is called embedded previews because we're going to tell Lightroom Classic we want to use those JPEGs that the camera took the time to build and put inside the RAW files already every time you click the shutter button. So I tested a number of RAW files as I did this, and um, all of them that I tested had a thumbnail image that was about 160 pixels by 120 pixels, just itty bitty, really teeny tiny image, like 8K or 16K or something. It was really, really small. And there could be a challenge if that's all there is, and I'll get to that in just one second. But it, most of them, well, all of them that I tested had at least one other JPEG image. So all of them had at least two, some had three or more. Um, all of them had at least two. And the second one was in, in a few cases, a full resolution JPEG image. And like it was the same pixel dimensions as the original RAW file, 100% the same or 98% of the same in the, in the case of, of Nikon. And I'll get to some details on that in just a second. Um, and that is what we want to use in our culling process. Doesn't that make a lot of sense? Your camera already went to the work of embedding JPEGs into the RAW files. They're already there. Why do we want to have Lightroom Classic build previews when the camera already did the work? You're paying for this work a second time. If you follow kind of the default build standard previews and smart previews workflow that you're used to on Importer, you probably never really thought about it. And that's what I'm going to tell you to do. You can tell Lightroom as of 2017, they put this into Lightroom Classic. You can tell Lightroom, I don't want you to build the previews on import. I want to use those JPEGs that are inside the raw files so that I can, you know, improve the speed. So that's really good. Now let's talk about one of the potential challenges that you can have in there. So I tested... Uh, raw files from Canon, Nikon, and Fuji. It was a Canon 80D, a Nikon D750. Thank you, Nelson, for giving me those so I can do this kind of testing because I don't have access to any other Nikon raw files. And the uh, an A7R3, oh, and a Fuji X-T, X-T3. So all four of those, I have raw files from all four of those cameras that I put through this testing process. Uh, Canon and Fuji both had full resolution JPEG images inside their raw files. So totally great, like absolutely stellar raw file or JPEGs that you can use as you are calling your images. Uh, Nikon's uh, JPEG was about, I think it was 98% of the original file size, so super, super close to full resolution and definitely good enough. Now, Adobe had 
they say in the very thing where they uh, explain this embedded preview workflow, there's a blog post, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes so that you can see that. But the very thing where they announced this, they also said that if Lightroom sees that the embedded JPEG, the largest one in there is, is less than 50% of the original raw size, Lightroom is not going to use this process. It's going to build uh, standard previews anyway, regardless of if you follow this workflow as it is. So for example, Sony a7R III has pixel dimensions of 7952 by 5304, really, really big uh, pixel dimensions on their raw files. The largest JPEG image that's embedded in that file is a teeny tiny 1616 by 1080, kind of an HD version of that image, a full HD version, but that's just nothing compared to the original file size. In fact, it's 20% of the original raw file size. And since I knew back in 2017 that Adobe said 50%, I won't do it. I thought, oh, that means the Sony a7R three, this isn't going to work. It's going to fail. And because that the JPEG inside that raw file is not big enough. So I, I tested it. It didn't fail. <laughs> it, it worked. Now I tested it first on a 2K display on my Windows computer. And so then I thought, well, maybe what they meant to say was if it's 50% smaller than the standard preview size, what you what it would build for your standard previews, then it won't use it. Because that kind of, I didn't do the math, but that, that might have worked. So I went over to the Mac that I had. MacBook Pro, it's connected to a 4K display for testing purposes. I like to be able to test between the two. Figuring, okay, now that's absolutely not going to work. It's going to be way too small for the 4K display and it's going to fail. And it still worked. <laughs> the process still worked completely. It didn't have to build previews. It used the embedded JPEGs. Maybe the blog post that they created back then in 2017 stated that maybe it was in the software at the time that that's the case. It seems like it may have changed. I don't see any official notification of it, but it's it, in practice. I haven't seen it fail yet. Doesn't mean it couldn't, and I wanted to make you aware of the rule where if your JPEGs are too small, there may be a chance that Lightroom isn't gonna use them. And if that's the case, there is a, a solution to that. You can shoot JPEG plus raw. So I, I didn't in any of these images that I'm talking about, that is not what was done. It was just raw only. But if you find that your raw files fail in this process, one solution is shoot JPEG plus raw because then Lightroom will is smart enough. It was even in 2017, it was built to see those um, in the import process. They call these sidecar files, the JPEGs that are right next to your raw, have the same name as your raw. In the import, they're calling them sidecar files, not to be confused with the XMP sidecar files where edits go from Lightroom Classic. I know, the same name for two very different things. But um, that's a solution. If you find that it doesn't work, I mean, try it first because so far I haven't seen it fail. But if you do find that it doesn't work, your camera is not putting JPEGs inside the RAW files that are big enough, then just shoot JPEG plus RAW. It's not a big, uh, you're not giving up a ton there to do that. And it's, a, it's a worth it to save like 90% or more, I'll get to some more, 
off the import time as you're importing your photos. If you want to see kind of the nitty gritty details of your raw images, there's a totally free tool that you can go to. I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's exif, like E-X-I-F dot regex dot info slash exif dot CGI, which is something you're never going to remember or type in yourself. So go to the show notes, hit the link up there. It's Jeffy Friedel's really good free thing that you can use there to be able to have it. You have to upload a raw file to the website. So if you're not comfortable doing that, then don't do it. But I trust Jeffrey Friedel and, and it was fine. So you can upload your image and then it, it uh, tears apart the image and it gives you all the details, like all the metadata, but it also shows you the JPEGs that are embedded and what their resolution are. That's what I did in order to get all the information that I'm telling you about right here. So you can go do that too. You can go see what your, your files look like and, and kind of learn about it. It's kind of cool. Okay. So I talked about that. It's still, it's, it's still, it seems big enough. I, I it's just so crazy to me, but I just want to make sure I drive the home point, <laughs> drive home the point, drive the home point. Easy for me to say, drive home the point that you may run into a problem if your J JPEGs inside your raw files are too small. I am going to go through three more sections of the tutorial, giving you more data and information. But before I do, I need to thank the sponsor for this episode, and that is Flurn. We've talked a ton about Lightroom already, and I want to take this second to tell you about uh, Flurn.com. I get contacted constantly by marketing departments from various photography products who all want to partner with the show. And I turn most of them away because I just am not convinced enough in the product to bother you all with that sponsorship and the information that's there. But when Flurn reached out, I was way excited to be able to, to uh, publish or, or share my information about Aaron Nace and the folks over at Flurn.com who are producing video training for Photoshop that I just can't recommend strongly enough. It is incredible. Aaron's forgotten more Photoshop than I've ever learned. And a huge portion of what I know about Photoshop has come from the video training over at Flurn.com. I am a paying customer. They did not give me a free account. I was already a customer before they contacted me. And uh, so it, it's it's awesome. You really have to check it out. If it doesn't matter the topic, retouching, coloring, composition, compositing, it doesn't matter. Just anything that you want to learn about Photoshop, you're going to learn it through, through Aaron, who is not only really good at it, but he can teach it well, which is not the same thing. Um, they have 150 in-depth video tutorials available now and priced at $99.95 a year. The annual subscription is an absolute steal. And listeners of Photo Taco, you can get an even better deal. 20% off that first year by using coupon code PHOTOTACO at checkout. I love Flurn.com. I know you will too. If you've been afraid of Photoshop, this is your solution. Head over to Flurn.com, use coupon code PHOTOTACO20 and get 20% off. Thank you, Flurn.com, for making this episode possible. All right, let's go to section two of the tutorial. That's a couple of configuration things that you need to know about preferences and import dialogue settings. I wish Adobe made this simpler. I wish there was more of like a, a guided way through the workflow or maybe a more clear like cull module inside of Lightroom so that you knew that's where you're supposed to do your culling and have this process like, you know, just have it, you walk through the process instead of having to learn the little trip 
tips and tricks that you have to have. I mean, I guess it gives me something to talk about and something to, to provide training on, but I really wish it was a little easier for you to learn how to do this. But let's go through what it takes from a configuration standpoint so that you can do this process. The first thing to check is there's a critical setting in preferences. So that's Lightroom preferences on uh, Lightroom Classic preferences on Mac, and it's just edit preferences on Windows. And you go to the general tab, and there on the general tab, there's a, a, a checkbox that says replace embedded previews with standard previews during idle time. You do not want to check. Now, I don't think it is by default. I'm pretty sure. I, I think I checked that on a brand new install of Lightroom just to make sure, and I don't think it's checked. But if it was to be, it would undo what we're trying to do. And let, let's just analyze the wording here. We're going to replace embedded previews. So we're trying to tell Lightroom we want to use the embedded previews. It's going to replace them with standard previews. That means it's going to build the standard previews while it's while Lightroom is idle. That means like in between you're doing the sliders. Or really what it means is in the background it's going to do it. Now of course they're going to try to make it that it's not intrusive. But I'll tell you what every test I've done where standard previews are being built, it's consuming a huge amount of the CPU and I have never seen it not be completely intrusive. You don't want this checkbox checked in order to see this happen. That's the first critical preference that you need to have. The second thing is a couple of things you have to set up as you are doing the import itself. And there's lots of ways to start the import. I'm not gonna go through it here on this episode. That's probably something all of you know about already. But when you are there in the import dialog box in the upper right hand corner, there's a drop, there's a panel there called file handling. And there's some settings that you may never have really looked through that you are really vital like the, this process won't work if you leave it at the defaults because by default Lightroom Classic is set up by Adobe to build standard previews and to build smart previews as you import you don't want either of those options there's a build preview drop down box that says uh, it has a bunch of options. There's minimal, there's embedded in sidecar, standard, and one-to-one. One -one. So four options that you can set there. Minimal is telling Lightroom Classic to only use those tiniest of images. Remember I told you there's at least two and there's one inside the, the, the raw that is tiny, really, really small, a thumbnail-sized preview. Minimal means to use those. And that's not what you want <laughs> because at some point, and it, even in the library module, you're going to get to a point where you want that bigger image and there's already the bigger image. So it's worth it to wait just a tiny bit of time, that 2% or 10% of the time, you know, we're going to save 90% by doing this, but that 10% of the import process time, it's worth a few minutes. It's going to be less than five, almost guaranteed. It'll be less than five minutes it's worth it to get the higher resolution JPEG image that's inside the raw file and use that through the culling process. So you don't want minimal, skip that one. What you want is embedded and sidecar. That's the next option. I mean, it should make sense if you're following along as I'm going through this episode, embedded and sidecar, that's the embedded JPEG inside the raw sidecar. That's for that situation I mentioned earlier, where if your camera doesn't put in a big enough JPEG and Lightroom is going to, to build the standard previews anyway, you could shoot JPEG plus raw. And now you have that full res JPEG sitting next to the raw file. And Lightroom considers that in this context, in the import dialogue, it considers that JPEG a sidecar file. So that is the menu option you want. I hope by going through it in a lot of detail here, you remember that option. Standard is 
the default. That is not what we want. What's, what Lightroom is going to do is it's going to build a JPEG of sorts, and it's, uh, it's going to be kind of determined by the size of your display. It has an auto mode that it's set to, and you've probably never gone to look and change it. And I'm not going to go into how to do that here, but depending on your display size, it's a higher and higher uh, pixel preview that it builds. On 1080, it's going to be like a 1080 version. On 2K, it's going to be a 2K pixel dimension kind of preview that it builds. And if it's 4K, it's going to build 4K, which obviously takes more effort, more CPU, more time. I'll give you some numbers on that in a little bit. But we don't want these, right? This is the default. We definitely don't want standard. We, we do not want Lightroom to build any previews. We want that embedded and sidecar option in this build previews dropdown. The last one is one-to-one. -one. We definitely need the one-to-one. -one. And this is a, a more detailed JPEG. So it's going to go and build like the full resolution JPEG and, uh, and build that preview as a one-to-one -one preview. And it, absolutely, we're going to need these. We're going to need both standard and one-to-one -one as we develop. But we can wait until after after culling to tell Lightroom to go build them and it saves way so much time to be able to do that. We don't want to have to spend all that time to be able to do it. All right, so with those drop downs and check boxes, like, oh, and then the other thing, I almost forgot. We also don't want smart previews. There's just a checkbox there, there's no drop down. It's just smart previews. We want to make sure that is not checked. Now, I'm, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the difference between that and standard previews, but it's like for mobile use cases, if you're going to sync collections to the cloud, you have to build them. So if you know you're going to do that, sync collections to the cloud, or you're going to take your catalog with you uh, on the road and not bring your RAWs, then you do want to build these um, smart previews. They are less time consuming, less CPU intensive than the standard or one-to-one -one previews. So if you know you're going to do that and you're going to do it like really soon, then go ahead and leave that checkbox checked. And it doesn't add like nearly as much time as it does for either the standard or one-to-one -one previews. Uh, but I still wouldn't build it if you want the very best performance. Then just don't build those previews unless you know you're going to do that. Okay, now we have... We're ready to go on the embedded preview import by doing that. And you're ready to click that import button with the drop down on embedded in, and uh, sidecar and the checkbox for smart previews not checked. Now, let me give you some numbers. I mean, that's what you're here for, right? Photo Taco, we're, we're about testing data and numbers and, and what are we going to do? So I ran some uh, lots of tests in preparation for this episode. I used my Windows 10 PC that I custom built back in 2014. <laughs> it has an Intel 4 core, core i7 CPU. It's overclocked to run at 4.2 gigahertz, has 32 gig of RAM and a 3 gigabyte NVIDIA GeForce 1060 video card. Not too shabby, even by standards today, but it's six years old. And so it's not any speed demon by any stretch. And I did testing. I mentioned the camera raw files that I have. I have, I used 300 from my Canon 80D. I used 200 from the X-T3. I used 300 from the D750 and 200 from the A7R3. At some point, I'm going to go and even up those numbers so they're all the same, but I haven't, I didn't do it yet. So, so there we go. I, uh, I have different numbers, but in total, it's a thousand raw images. It's kind of like, I like that round number of a thousand raw images. So I built them independently. I built them for all of those independently so that I could get the numbers by raw camera type. And I added up all the time 
I even used like, you know, I recorded this, this screen capture. So I have frame by frame exactly when it is that these things start and stopped. And it took almost 30 minutes on that computer to import those 1000 images. And some of you probably are thinking, yeah, it sounds about right. Thousand raws, 30 minutes to do it. That's kind of what I'm seeing in Lightroom. And it, the worst thing is not only does it take that long, Lightroom is almost unusable while it's going on. It's supposed to be a background process, but it, it is definitely taking every bit of the CPU that it can to build these things. And if you try to go and use Lightroom while it's happening, it is super frustrating to do it. You really just have to leave it alone. Let it finish. Let us it do its thing. You're probably used to like, oh, now time to go get a drink of water, maybe have a snack, <laughs> maybe take a quick nap. I don't know, all of that. And, and maybe this is why you're like, I just can't do this. I'm going to call it in photo mechanic beforehand and then bring it in. Totally a solution. And that would work. And you don't have to remember any of these steps. But you can do it without too. All right. I did the same import of a thousand raw files with the embedded preview workflow. I chose the drop down build previews. I set that to embedded in sidecar, disabled the build smart previews checkbox. And it took three minutes and seven seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I went from 30 minutes, well, it was actually 27 minutes and 35 seconds, but almost 30 minutes to just barely over three minutes, 90% less time to do that import process. And then I was ready to do culling in the library module. And I'll get to that in just a moment, give you some tips on what to do there. Uh, not to just have the PC numbers, I also did this on the Mac. Because some of you may think, okay, that's fine, but that was a PC built in 2014, plus it's a PC. What about a current Mac or a fairly current Mac? It's got to be better than that, right? So I have a 2018 15-inch MacBook Pro with a 6-core core, uh, core, core i7 processor. It's uh, clocked at 2.2 gigahertz. It has 16 gigabytes of RAM and a Radeon Pro 555X GPU with four gigabytes of RAM. And then I used SSD drives for both the catalog and the photos, which is the same that I did on the Windows, by the way. I used SSD drives there just to make sure I had the very fastest possible situation for Lightroom to be able to do this. And it was two separate SSD drives, so the, the uh, drives themselves were not being... Uh, it wasn't being uh, throttled because we had too many read writes happening on the same disk. It was two separate disks. So best possible scenario. And those were the numbers. The other difference besides the Mac hardware that's newer and it being Mac OS, I did have the MacBook Pro connected to the 4K display, which is really kind of what I wanted to see the most. I knew that was going to increase the times that it would take. So same raw files, same 1000 raw files. It took just shy of 52 minutes to run that, like one second shy of 52 minutes. And using the embedded preview workflow, it was 94% faster at three minutes and 10 seconds. So the Windows PC and the Mac were within seconds of each other on the embedded preview workflow. But because the Mac was connected to a 4K display, Lightroom, remember I said, the when it builds standard previews, it builds them according to the, the resolution of that standard preview or the size of that preview that it has to build is based on the display you're connected to. So the Windows machine was connected to a 2K display, the Mac a 4K, and it doubled the time to build those raw files. Uh, the hardware is, you know, negligibly different, but it, it doesn't really matter. The point is you can save a bunch of time by using the embedded preview workflow. So we, we talked about how to do it. You can do the import process. 
just wait the three minutes, four minutes, five minutes that it's going to take for that import process to finish. It doesn't take long at all. But even if you don't want to wait, you can totally... Lightroom's like actually usable while that's happening. So even though it might take three minutes, you can get started immediately on culling your image in the library module. Caveat, and I'm going to say this many, many, many times in this episode, do not go to the develop module until you're done culling. <laughs> you just don't want to do it or you're going to be ruining what we're doing here. You're going to have Lightroom build previews as you're in the develop module and it's going to be slow and a painful experience. So you can either wait for the three, five minutes for this embedded preview to import the photos and be done, or you need to just actually either way, you've got to stay in the library module to do your calling. And let me tell you how to do that. This is how you call your photos in the library module. And I'm not going to dictate every aspect of this because everyone likes to do their calling differently. Um, for example, there's there's really kind of three primary ways to do the culling in Lightroom. Some people really love the picked flags. So that's setting um, picked, rejected, or you can unflag it. So there's kind of the two states, well, three states. You can have it picked, you can have it uh, rejected, or you can have you can remove the flag. And some people really like them. And, and it's really helpful to learn the keyboard shortcuts for this so that it can go as fast as possible to get through this calling process. Uh, so P, the P key is for pick. The X key is for reject. And the U key is to remove any flags, like unflag the photo. So the P is easy to remember, P for pick. Uh, the U to unflag is easy to remember. But the X, there's not a great way to remember that for reject. It's not R. R is a different shortcut. R is actually crop. So you don't want to do that um, because that'll put you in the develop module and have you crop the, mo the, crop the image. You don't want to do it. So you got to remember that those are the systems you're going to use. If you've been using the, the screens and the mouse to set these things, you are going way slower. I promise you, learn the hotkeys and use them. Uh, the second system is color labels. And I find this one really difficult to use myself. I, I don't like it for this purpose. I do use color labels, but it's a different purpose. And uh, you can use them. There's there's keys six through nine, set red, yellow, green, blue, and purple respectively. But and there's no way to like from the keyboard remove a color setting color label. So once you set it from the keyboard, the only way to get rid of it is to use the mouse and use, go in the UI and, and get rid of it because they ran out of number keys. So all the number keys are used. Um, and that's because of the, the last system. This is the system I personally prefer, but you can use whichever one of them that, that you want. The embedded preview will work with all of them because this is just done in the library module or you can also use the same pick settings or rating system in develop, but don't do it there. Do not do this in develop. Stay in the library module. Um, okay, so the star ratings is the last one. I saved it for the last because it's the one I like the best. Um, you have one, the keys one through five will set one star, two star, all the way through five star. And then zero, the zero key will remove all the star ratings. So that means all of the num number keys are used now. And that's why there's no, no keyboard shortcut to clear the color labels. So I only use one through three on import or on my culling. And that's on purpose because trying to decide between five different stars 
adds time to the process. Like I have to decide, is this a three, four or five? It, it's just a lot more work. It's really, really simple. Or I'm trying to make my decision process as I go through it to go as fast as I can. One star is I looked at this image. It's garbage. I'm never going to use it, <laughs> which means I probably shouldn't have been of, of imported it, but I like making that decision in the library module as I'm doing it. And then afterwards I can just select all the one stars and delete them if I want to then number and and if, there's not a big payment a penalty here because I use the embedded preview workflow I'm not building or waiting wasting time building the previews for those images uh, two stars is a maybe this this one might be good I can't tell or maybe uh, it's you know, I have three of the same pose. I don't see enough detail in the thumbnail view inside of the library module to make a decision. So I'm just going to give them all twos. And then when I come back through a second time, I'm going to decide between them. And a three star is I absolutely know I want to edit this image. This image has huge potential. I want to see what it looks like as I work on it in the develop module. So those that's my system. I don't care which one you use. Again, it's totally up to you how you rate your photos, how you get your star ratings, how you call your images, but do it in the library module. I'm going to say it over and over. Do not go to the develop module until you are actually ready to develop your images and work on your images. And you're not yet. You're not through culling. You need to decide which of them you're going to work on before you go there. So do not go to that to the outside of the library module. Stay in the library module to do your culling. Uh, the other component then, the other tip, go through this as fast as you can. Like I, I just talked about, I try my personal goal as I'm doing this first round of culling. I wanna spend less than one second per image deciding. And I can put my fingers, my just three fingers over the one, two, and three keys on the keyboard. And I can make a decision super fast, one, two, or three. If it's taking longer than that, then I need to really think about my evaluation of the photos. But uh, I think for most of you, that should be a goal. And again, use whatever, pick flags, whatever it's gonna be, but do it as fast as you can. I think having a goal of less than a second to decide between your star or between your ratings is a good goal to have so that, cause I mean, you have thousands of images you're going to have to get through and that those seconds add up really fast and take a long time if you're taking forever to do it. Another thing that really helps you to speed this up, the culling process is enabling the caps lock key, like set caps lock on. That, that tells Lightroom when, when caps lock is on, whenever you hit any of the keyboard shortcuts or even in the UI when you, when you put a rating in, but I'm recommending you do the keyboard shortcuts, then as soon as you hit the key to, to set that rating on that image, it auto advances to the next image so that you're ready to now hit the key again on the next image to give it its rating. And it highlights it as you're going through. It's called auto advance. If you put caps lock on while you're in the library module, super helpful to be able to go really, really fast. So I hit caps lock and then I put my, my fingers over the one, two, three keys and I'm just bam, 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 one, three, two, one, 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 two, one, three, just boom, hitting them as fast as I can go. Do that really fast, but don't leave the library module. <laughs> Did you get that? Don't, don't do it. Okay. So once you go through the initial round of calling, 
Um, and I, I can imagine a lot of you saying, okay, I can see where maybe I can kind of make a, a mostly a decision. Maybe that the, the maybe rating is, is something good to have in, in my process so that I can kind of decide in the second round, a second phase of the culling, a second run through of the images, I can decide between those maybes to see if they're in or out. Uh, but in order to make that decision, I can't use those, that thumbnail view. The, that It's actually called the grid view in the library module. But those, even at the maximum setting, if I, if I take the little zoom that's in the lower right-hand corner of the library module all the way to the right and make those thumbnails as big as they can, they're just not big enough for me to be able to make a decision between like two or three images and which one I like the best. I can't tell the focus very well. Uh, I can't tell the a lot of detail about the image. And that just isn't going to work. So I need to go to the develop module so I can get that image to be full screen and be able to make decisions on it. No, 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 no. Don't go to the develop module. Don't do it. You have to stay in library and library can show you your image in full screen. If you're not familiar with it, there's a different view in the library module. There's actually lots of them, but I'm not going to go to all of them here. There's one called loop view in the library module. The short, the keyboard shortcut to get to it is E, and I remember that because it's E for everything. Show me everything in the library module for that one image. And it's easy to remember the other view that you're very used to, that's the grid view, and that's G for grid, to be able to get to that grid view. So do the first pass of your calling in the grid view. Just going fast, you don't wanna get bogged down into is this image better than that image? at the beginning. You want to, to use the thumbnails to help you to make really rapid decisions. Then hit the E key or in the lower left-hand corner, it's the second icon over and from grid. You'll see it if you float over them, it'll say loop view. But just get used to the keyboard shortcuts, E for everything and loop view. And then you can see your images full screen. And that's good for the second phase of this approach, the second part of the, the second run through of calling your images, because now you can see the full detail. And this is why it's important to do the embedded and sidecar instead of minimal in that build previews dropdown. You're going to get a JPEG. A lot of you have raw files that have J, full resolution JPEGs embedded inside of it. You're not giving up any resolution of your images and you're getting the, the stuff that your camera is doing to the images by default, it's it's applying some sharpening, it's applying, in fact, if you applied some sort of creative setting to the images, like if you did black and white, or if you did vivid, or one of those things in camera, that's gonna show here too. You're gonna see the same image as if you had shot JPEG plus raw, but you didn't, you only shot raw, and see that preview. You're gonna know that you're using the embedded preview, or Lightroom wants to make sure you know that you're not seeing the preview that it has built. You're seeing the embedded image. It wants, it wants to know like, hey, I have nothing to do with this image. I just grabbed it out of the raw file. And so don't you know blame me for whatever's in this image. And so they put a little notification in the lower right-hand corner of loop view. You don't see it in grid view, but in loop view, you see it says embedded preview right there. So you'll know if it's working, if you go to loop view and you see embedded preview, you know that you've done this process successfully. Stay in Lightroom. Don't go to develop. 
I said it again, don't go to the develop module until you're done calling. But now in loop view, you can just go through these. It's super fast to be able to go screen to screen to screen, be able to compare them. You can go through those images, get through the maybes, you know, those the ones that you weren't quite sure on. Now you'll have a lot more detail to be able to judge and you can, uh, you can either decide to give them like, for me, it's I give it a one star if it's out and I'll give it a three star if it's in. And the two is only used temporarily for that maybe status while I am deciding that first round. And then I go, and I'm only gonna edit the three stars. Those are the ones that survived my calling process. Those are the ones I wanna make sure I'm editing the develop module, and that's the only ones I'm gonna do. When that's done, when you're through your calling process, you have your images rated. Now you can filter down to them, and that's in the lower right-hand corner of the library module. There's a filter section there. If you don't see a bunch of filter options, there's probably the word filter, and you can click on it, and it will expand and show you colors, stars, and pick flags right there. And you can now pick for me, I click on the second star over from the left, and that means show me filter out so that I see only the ratings that are at least two stars. So I guess actually I should do three stars because those are my, my the ones that survive calling. The third star over has to be at least three stars or better for me to, to, uh, to build the previews. So you click on that. Now your film strip filters down to only the images that survived your calling process. And all of this is in the library module. And now I'm ready to build the previews that I need because I need those for develop to work quickly to make process go fast. So I, I want to build the previews now for those images though, that's gonna help me have a better experience in the develop module. So you can go to the library menu, same on Mac and Windows, hallelujah, the library menu, and then there's previews and you can build standard, you can build smart, and you can build one-to-one. -one. And you can build all three if you like, or you can just build standard and one-to-one. -one. I'd recommend you at least do the standard and one-to-one -one for all of those images. And then yes, it's gonna take a little bit of time depends on how many images you've got. It's gonna take a little bit of time, but it's it's not too bad to be able to build that. And let me just give you some numbers that I figured out based on raw file about how, uh, how this performed specific to that. So um, I found that the Fuji raw files were the very slowest to import when building previews. It took an average of 5.73 seconds, almost six seconds an image to be able to do these, these are average numbers across multiple tests on multiple computers, almost six seconds to build standard sized previews for Fuji. Second worst was Sony at three seconds, but like twice as fast <laughs> as Fuji. Uh, Lightroom Classic just really struggles with the Fuji RAW files, at least from the X-T3. I don't know, I haven't used it with a bunch of other Fuji files, but it does seem to struggle, not in just this aspect, lots of aspect aspects for uh, in Lightroom Classic. Sony 3.11. Um, then third was Canon at 2.53, so just barely faster, about half a second faster than uh, than the Sony files. And best was the Nikon D750 images at 1.97 seconds. Now this is gonna be a little dependent on the camera and like the megapixel resolution of the camera that has the different file sizes and, and all of that stuff. So don't take these numbers too seriously other than Fuji really stood out as being the slowest. And that's when I'm building the standard previews. When I am not building the standard previews, you have all of them under a second. 
again, Fuji was the worst at 0.43 seconds, but it still is under half a second per, in, per uh, import time per image. Nikon 0.14, Canon 0.16, and Sony 0.07. So Sony performed the very best, and that means, and it actually you know went from like second worst to best, and it's a 98% improvement on the time to build it. And I bring that up here because that's what you can kind of expect as the time is going to take to build the images. You're going to build the standard and one-to-one -one previews. You probably should plan on, you know, six to maybe, I don't know, but I didn't test. I, this was just the standard preview. I didn't go and do the times for one-to-one, -one, but you're, you're going to take some time per image. Maybe a good rule of thumb if you're going to build both standard and one-to-one -one would be to maybe double it and say like 10 seconds per image for, for the Fuji and then um, Canon. and it, They're going to just double up. And, and then, you know, you could multiply that. You could do your own test and figure out how long it takes and see what's worth it for you to build. But it's not a big deal to me, especially because I just went through the culling process. I spent some time doing that. It's, it's a, quite a few minutes sitting there and doing that. My my eyes need a break. My body needs a break. I probably am thirsty. It's time to go take a break. And so I'll, I'll go and I'll tell Lightroom to build those previews. And then I'll just go take a quick break. And by the time I'm back, they're done. It's, it's really fast because I limited down to the number of images that I really wanted to build. So, so that's the process. That's what you do. And now after that, after you filtered down, you built the previews for just the ones that survived. You're ready to go in the develop module and you're going to have as good an experience as you can in the develop module. I find that it goes very fast to be able to do that. It's maximizing your time. It's maximizing your hardware. I really wish this was more of a default process in Lightroom. Um, they walked you through this because the time savings are immense. You're not wasting a bunch of time building previews, um, spending your CPU and RAM and time on stuff that you're never going to use because you're never going to actually edit all of those images that you're importing unless you're like a stellar photographer and you don't take bad shots. And if that's you, then I'll good for you. <laughs> Maybe you won't have that many to, to go through and develop anyway. There you go. There's the detail I have on the embedded preview workflow and how you can decrease your import time. I'd love to hear back from you. If you have questions, you can go check out that YouTube video. If it's hard to follow everything here, hopefully I've convinced you with some of the numbers, some of the data that I have from it. This is totally worth trying and it's totally worth memorizing and going through the process so that you can make that, you can decrease the time that you're spending on the computer editing your images and uh, spend more time shooting and creating and, and the fun stuff that's there. Maybe it's why I like this stuff on the computer because I know how to make it go fast. I know how to, to make it so I'm not spending hours and, and not getting frustrated by spinning icons and loading icons and, and things like that. So I hope you all enjoyed it. You can find everything Photo Taco related over at the home for the show. That's phototacopodcast.com. We have our Facebook group for listeners. That's where you can give me feedback or provide suggestions for the show or make sure you know when new episodes are coming out or when I'm releasing new YouTube videos. Um, you do have to ask to join. So you have to name a host on the uh, Master Photography Podcast Network. Or you can just say Jeff, since that's who you listen to every month. And uh, I have a an email. That's phototacopodcast at gmail.com. You can contact me on um, the show's official Instagram account. Is that Podcast? 
and Twitter is at phototaco and you can go follow me there. Be sure to check out Master Photography too. If you're not aware, I have a weekly show that I'm on almost every week um, called the Master Photography Roundtable and it's a, a really fun show to check out. You can find my Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook profiles in the show notes, but just go over to phototacopodcast.com for everything phototaco related. Thanks everyone. Happy shooting. Views expressed on this program by independent hosts and callers do not necessarily reflect the views of Master Photography Podcast, LLC, or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links for permission to serve. Olay!